Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello. So we've got a ton of new spoilers from Ravnica Allegiance this week. We're going to be going over with the legendary creatures, how to build around them, and then also what cards we think have uh, legs in Commander, what we think have the potential to be either new format staples or tech in niche archetypes. Before we get started with that, I just want to begin with Lavinia Azorius Renegade, we mentioned her on our last spoiler podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh, but since then, and I, I, my opinion on her has not changed, but I've since heard some tech that I think could be pretty good. So, much like Teferi Mage of Zalfir, her ability to shut down unfair combos uh, combines with Knowledge Pool to prevent your opponents from playing the game. So... She has this ability, whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. And Knowledge Pool forces your opponents to cast things out of the Knowledge Pool without paying yeah. their mana cost. So that locks people out of the game. Similarly, Eye of the Storm also combos with Lavinia <laughs> yeah. to prevent your opponents from casting in its instants and sorceries. Which is hilarious. Any deck that runs Eye of the Storm is either hilarious or the worst, so... Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so moving on to the new cards from this week, uh, I want to start off with Judith the Scourge Diva. So this is one black red for a 2-2 human shaman. It has other creatures you control get plus one plus zero, and whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith deals one damage to any target. Um, I think the build is going to end up looking a lot like Lizolda. This is a deck that wants sack outlets like attrition, sadistic hypnotist. It also wants sack fodder like bloodgast and similar creatures. You're also going to want death touch equipment like gorgon flail yeah. or gorgon's head to make it so that her pings can take down a creature all by themselves. Like mm -hmm. one damage isn't going to do much in commander, but if it's got death touch then yeah, it'll go a lot further. One of the main differences between this and Lizolda is that because you don't have because your commander isn't a sack outlet unlike Lizolda, you need to have a critical mass in the main deck. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of them. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, she can't use token generators as well as Lizolda can because the the death trigger is only for non-token creatures. Um, so I think that that part of the ability is a bit more interesting. Um, I'm not so in love with the plus one plus zero. <laughs> <But why? bonus. laughs> like it that's probably pretty good in twenty life formats, but yeah. in forty life formats it just doesn't do enough. Yeah, I think this is an interesting case where they made a command or sorry. They made a legendary creature for standard with the plus one plus zero and like the death trigger so when your creatures get in there you still ping them. Mm -hmm. But ended up kind of making a cool commander without realizing it. Yeah. Just because this kind of archetype has been something that Black Red has wanted for a long time or kind of people try to make, and I think this is an interesting way to do that. Um, like Lizzie said, Lizolda has been doing it for a while, but there hasn't really been a critical mass of people building that deck, from what it seems. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is something that people will latch on to. Yeah. Time we'll, will tell. We'll see. Uh, the next 
the next commander is one that I'm certain people are going to latch on to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Rakdos, the Showstopper. It is four black-red for a legendary demon. It's a 6-6 six, six flying trample and has, when Rakdos enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails. <laughs> So I think a, a lot of people, when they saw this, their first reaction was like, oh, it's a tribal deck. Like, you're going to yeah. run your demons, devils, and imps, and then Rakdos is just a way to, like, uh, punish your opponents. Yeah. yeah. So, I, But I don't actually think that's the best way to build around Rakdos. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the big problem with demons, and I think the thing that they really want out of a tribal commander, is cost reduction. Like, demons are so expensive... I just in like looking at some of the best demons in commander in order to pull together a, a potential list um the average converted mana cost was like 6 yeah or something they're very expensive <laughs> so if you if your plan is just to like play demons and with Rakdos as your commander then what you're going to end up doing is like starting on maybe turn 5 you're going to be I spend all of my mana to cast this demon then on turn six, you're going to be, I'm going to spend all of my mana to cast this demon. And you're going to do that every turn yeah. for many turns. And I think that, like, Wizards was really smart when they when they did uh, Sphinx Tribal and Dragon Tribal with uh, the Ur-Dragon. Yeah. So, like, Unesh and the Ur-Dragon both give you cost reduction because they know, like, this is an iconic creature type. They tend to be more expensive this is what really is going to allow people to play them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have fun with these cards. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Rakdos doesn't have that, and I don't think that um, this ability is strong enough to really incentivize running, like, the really cheap demons and yeah. devils and imps. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not going to run Forge Devil or, like, uh, you, you know, the one and two mana kinds of imps. Yeah, not worth it. Yeah, like... Um, in order to incentivize that, it'd have to be something along the lines of, like, Kestia or maybe Verena. Yeah, definitely. Like, something that gives you a lot of cards early in the game so that it, you're, it's worthwhile for you to just go turn one, imp, turn two, imp, turn three, devil, yeah. cast my commander, get a bunch of value. But this isn't nearly strong enough to encourage you to do that. Yeah, it, yeah, totally agree with that. So, I think that the... The main thing when people see like a tribe mentioned is the first thing is like, oh, cool, this is a tribal reward for blank. Uh, there's that like mythic horse mm-hmm. that like you gain life and got horses, and people are like, oh, horse tribal. When I think that like, I was hoping for horse. Tribal. Yeah, I mean, honestly, horse tribal would have been great, <laughs> but I think that um, when we see cards like Rakdos or when we see that that mythic that's name is escaping me, uh, professional podcast. Um, <laughs> the tribal like mechanic Mm -hmm. is kind of like a hanger that you can use for multiple things um and isn't necessarily always a reward for just shoving a bunch of that tribe in the deck and i think this is one of those cases where this is just the most efficient way to get across like the flavor and the power that they wanted with rakdos Mm -hmm. um and isn't necessarily pushed enough in the way you want for a tribal reward. So, yeah, I, I yeah, definitely think, I think this is a red card. <laughs> yeah. That, that being said, if you do choose to do tribal demon and you're okay with that, like one spell a turn mm-hmm. play style. Yeah. There are some cool cards you can run. Um, 
blood speaker is good yeah which uh tutors out demons repeatedly mark of the oni is good which is just a three mana control magic that that works as long as you have a demon yeah (laughs) um and then liliana's contract is so good in this deck yeah really good because it's efficient card draw you're gonna you're fine with that anyway and then it's if your deck is full of demons it's not that hard to meet the condition of having demons with four different names yeah you you will probably win at some point yeah uh, and then, so if you were if you were less interested in building the demon tribal, I think another thing you could do with Rakdos is just do a sort of like good stuffy control, and then mm-hmm. have Rakdos be like a way to generate value. Yeah, like I'm gonna kill half of the creatures that that aren't mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go that direction, then like Krark's Thumb is really good. Lets you get double flips. So like, yeah, but only on, on your guys. That so like if you're playing like little bonus creatures. Uh, like he he helps with your non demons and stuff like that, because um, you don't. It's only whenever you flip. Well, you're flipping a coin for all creatures, including your. Oh, opponents. you are flipping the coin. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Okay, never mind. Yeah, so Quark's <laughs> Thumb works great. Uh, Panharmonicon. Yeah, Panharmonicon's another, great. Another way to double up, and mm-hmm. then Conjurer's Closet makes yeah. it so that Rakdos is doing this every single turn and and twice on the first turn. Classic. Uh, so I think. Uh, Rakdos, I'm really excited to see him in the format. I think he's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he adds something to the Rakdos color identity. Yeah, and a 6-6 six, six Flying Trample is a pretty good body. He gives you a way to win if you do go that last route. Yeah. <laughs> Which is something that Archetype needs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so the next commander is Prime Speaker Vanifar. She is 2 green blue for a 2-4 legendary elf Ooze Wizard. Uh, she has tap, sacrifice another creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost, put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So that ability may be familiar to you if uh, yeah. <laughs> if you've been uh, playing since New Phyrexia. Yeah. <laughs> So she is essentially a birthing pod, and there are a couple things that are good in this deck. For example, um, ETB tr- creatures with ETB triggers, mm-hmm. uh, death triggers, um, untap effects are great here. Mm-hmm. Ways to like use her multiple times, and I also like haste granters. So like thousand year elixir is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Hall of the Bandit Lord and ways to find Hall of the Bandit Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Not hard and green. Yeah, you, you really want to make sure that you are activating her the turn she comes down, and potentially multiple times. Um, she seems really good at assembling creature-based combos. Yes. like uh, Yeah, that's she's very, very good at that. <laughs> yeah, and in that sense, and if that's like the route you want to go, it's hard to make the case for running her, her over like Momir Vig. Yeah, yeah, I think this is just a different Momir Vig. I think this is like a different kind of combo deck, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like Momir Vig kind of focuses on small creatures and like the kind of color changey thing. And this kind of, I feel like you're going to, you are going to run more of those weird untap tap effects or controly thingies. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't made a test deck for her yet but I don't think I will. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, she's she's very good uh, if you just want to get value. But yeah. but if you do want to um, sort of reduce the variance and um, get to your combo as quickly as possible, there's a couple ways you can make that a little bit more consistent. Yeah. So, for example, if you have creatures that enter the battlefield and untap something, so like uh, Deceiver Exarch or Bounding Krasis... Um, or have an activated ability you can use as soon as they come down, like Scrib Ranger. Mm-hmm. You can skip steps in that ladder that you're kind of climbing up. So it's, I think it's pretty reasonable that you could like say like have a critical mass of one or two drop mana accelerants, use them to power out Prime Speaker a turn early, mm-hmm. um, and then sack those mana accelerants, and then maybe like maybe you'll sack your Lanor Elves, go get a Scrib Ranger. Then from there, go get a Deceiver Exarch. Yeah. Then from there, you're already at a four drop, and so you can you can uh, move quickly up the ladder so that you're guaranteed to get exactly what you need to combo off a little bit more quickly. Yeah, I think that this combo is incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm ready to move on to the next commander. Yeah. Uh, so this next one is one that I'm very excited about. This is Tesa Karlov. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Tesa is two white black for a 2-4 legendary human advisor. And she has, if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. She also has creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink. I think this Tesa is a great commander for like the sack outlet type deck. Yeah. She works really well with Grave Pact, Dictative Erebos, Skull Clamp. All of those get double triggers while Tace is on the battlefield. Um, you're going to run things like Attrition, other good sack outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're also going to want like just solid creatures with good death triggers. So things like Archon of Justice, when it dies, exile target permanent. Corpse Augur, when it dies, you lose a bunch of life and draw a bunch of cards yeah. from the creatures in your graveyard. <laughs> Uh, Treasure Keeper seems solid here because you get to kind of cascade into something like with CMC three or less. Mm-hmm. So doing that multiple times seems good. Naturally, you're going to want reanimation engines, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of good ones in these colors. So I'm uh, very excited for this. I think this is a, a fun alternative to the original Tesa, Tesa Orzov sign. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I like this is like the perfect example, and like kind of gives me fuel for my anger when they print. This card works very well with Afterlife, and this is a card that they printed a legendary creature that worked well with the set mechanic, but also is a great commander. Mm-hmm. So just keep keep doing that. Yeah. Like, stop. Stop focusing. Like, just make a good creature. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, So I really do like Tesa, but it, Tesa is just an example to me of what they could be doing with all of these mm-hmm. uh, legendary Just making creatures. everyone else look bad. I know. Come on, Tesa. Uh, but I... One thing that I like relative to the original Tesa Orzov Scion is that she doesn't have as much combo potential. Yes, I actually love that too. So like the original Tesa Orzov Scion, she has this ability where you sack three black creatures to exile something, and whenever a white creature... Or, sorry, you sack three white creatures to exile something, whenever a black creature dies, you get a 1-1 white token. Mm-hmm. So with her... The, a big focus of the, that deck was getting Darkest Hour. Yeah. Because then all your white tokens become black, and then it just creates infinite sack fodder for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. 
so I like that this Tesa doesn't have that temptation of like, am I going to like play my deck and do my thing and just like kind of grind people out? Or am I just going to run as many ways as possible to assemble this combo? <laughs> yeah, totally agree. All right, uh, moving on to the main deck cards. Well, the the first one, would, would you like to read this? Yeah, sure. So this is Smothering Tithe. Um, it is three and a white for an enchantment. It has whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with a tap, sack this, uh, add one mana of any color. And something about this that I'm really excited about is that treasure could just be evergreen, and that's great. I think gold and treasure should just be around. Yeah, um, Morrow actually said that treasure is now going to be deciduous. Oh, heck yeah, so that's great. Any set can use it if it wants to. That is awesome, love that. <laughs> so tell me, uh, are you... Let's say your opponent has a smothering tithe out. <laughs> Are you willing to pay two mana to prevent them from getting one mana? You know, no. Same. Not, not at all. <laughs> the same, absolutely. I think only the most spiteful opponents are going to be willing to pay two mana to deny you one mana. Yeah. So the majority of the time, this is going to just collect treasure mm -hmm. really fast. Um, and it's going to be like, if you just think of it in terms of existing cards... I think it's sort of comparable to like a Thran Dynamo that comes into play tapped, mm -hmm. or like a Gilded Lotus that comes into play tapped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you're you're spending four mana in your initial investment, and then it's generating about three mana, maybe more, each every turn. turn after that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so white has so little in the way of ramp that I I think this could easily be a new white staple. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, and it synergizes with like Math's land destruction, like which is kind of the best thing you can do in white anyway mm -hmm. um and then at the very least if i'm even if i'm wrong with that prediction i'm positive that this is going to be played in enchantress decks yeah because <laughs> it's enchantment based ramp um like non-green white decks with high average cmcs mm -hmm. or like expensive commanders so i'm thinking like lira dawnbringer mm -hmm. all those angels are super expensive this definitely helps subsidize that yeah um, I was going to say, like, red-white loves this, like, mono-white loves this, like, the biggest problem is that uh, you can't amass the critical resources you need, in mono-white especially, mm -hmm. and so the fact that this, like, every turn kind of gets you up to speed with all the other decks, and, like, if the blue deck draws a bunch of cards, like, let's say they draw three cards on their turn, they're not going to spend six mana to stop you from getting three mana, like, that's so ridiculous, so... It just kind of lets you stay on par with your opponents in, in the regards to mana, mm -hmm. which is that God White needed that so badly. Yeah, very excited for this card. Also, uh, seems very good in Akiri Line Slinger and Brea Ethereum Sculptor. Oh, yeah, that's really great. Both of them just like having a lot of artifacts, doesn't mm -hmm. really care what those artifacts are. <laughs> so make it a bunch, of a bunch of crappy treasure tokens. Yeah, seems pretty good. Yeah, and, and one last thing I want to mention about this card... I don't like that it's treasure as opposed to gold. Same. I, I also I don't like treasure as much as gold. Yeah. Even if even if it like still had the tap part of it and just was called gold, mm -hmm. I think that would be preferable. I just don't like the name treasure. Yeah, I also agree with that. I think that gold was a lot more flavorful and the fact that apparently it had weird rules implications in a set it's it's like, yeah they like 
didn't like having it in the same standard as Improvise, so forever afterward mm. we're stuck with like a slightly worse flavor execution. Yep. Um, and I feel like they could just call this use the word gold because like they still have to have the text defining what that means. Mm-hmm. It's not really that yeah, and we much get, of a problem. And if we can have a one one lifelink soldier and a one one like non lifelink yeah, soldier, like then I think we can have a gold and a gold that taps. I it, they're functionally the same anyway most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like in like ninety nine percent of the cases, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, and this one just like feels better. Like I don't think of like in a city setting, <laughs> treasure doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Totally. Like, the Orzov, they're not, like, following treasure maps yeah. to get their ore. They're like, yeah, give me your gold idol. Like, yeah. They're like, give me your coins. Like, pay up. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't take a golden idol into a bank. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they'll tell you, like, okay, why don't you carve that up into a hundred pieces yeah. and then come yeah. back. Your jade totem is worth nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think we have a slightly less... An exciting card, but something notable. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mass Manipulation. It is XX Blue 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 Sorcery. (laughs) Gain control of X target creatures and or planeswalkers. So, I think that it it compares pretty unfavorably to Blatant Thievery. Yeah, I agree. Um, Blatant Thievery is four Blue 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 sorcery gain control uh for each opponent gain control of target permanent that opponent controls yep so in order to get that so in order to get a comparable effect you'd have to pay 10 mana pump 10 mana into mass manipulation so that's yeah that is a lot at at that point like you just play expropriate (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly um but there are a couple blue commanders that are really, really good at generating a lot of mana. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's definitely less efficient than some of the cheaper options, but if you just want a way to use up this 20 mana you've got mm-hmm. hanging around, then it seems like mass manipulation could do well for you. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm thinking, like, Krufix, God of Horizons, um, Kiddily, Chosen of Krufix, maybe Tatiova, Benthic Druid, or T- Teferi, Temporal, Arch- Temporal Archmage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the the cases where you want to play this are the ones where, like, yeah, it's not as good a rate, but you're just getting so many creatures or planeswalkers from it that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So, like, totally. I, I We have a friend with a Krufix deck that routinely gets up to, like, 60 mana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, stealing every single thing on the board... It's pretty good. Who cares that you spent like thirty something mana to do it? Like, yeah, that's that seems fine. If if mana is worthless to you, mm-hmm. then this card is a, a pretty good outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it's going to be a new staple, but I think it is worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. All right, the next card we're going to just touch on this briefly. It is Sphinx of Foresight. It's two blue blue for a four four flying Sphinx. You can reveal it from your opening hand. And if you do, you get to scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. And then at the beginning of each upkeep, or sorry, each of your upkeeps, scry one. Yeah, it'd be a very different card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think this is really only playable in Unesh. Yep. But it's pretty good there, because with the cost reduction, you're only paying two mana for it. And then it's two mana for a 4-4 flying and 80% of a factor fiction. Yeah, that still continually generates some value. Yeah. Yeah, the the I guess the one addition I would say is that if 
ever a blue deck cares about the bottom of its library, like these scry effects are very good. Because mm. scry helps you with the top of your library, but like every color kind of has access to that. And this would help. This is another piece if that ever becomes a thing, if blue ever gets a Grenzo type commander. Oh, I like that. Very forward thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at this guy for. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, the next card is a uh, very fun niche applications. Uh, so this is Verity Circle. It is two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, you may draw a card. Then it also has the activated ability, four and a blue, tap target creature without flying. Mm -hmm. So the when I saw this, the first thing I thought was Abishan Cephalid Emperor. Yep, same. Who uh, has two ways to tap things down. <laughs> he, can, he can pay triple blue to tap all creatures without flying. And he can also he also has the ability tap an untapped cephalid you control. He himself is a cephalid, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> tap target permanent. So in that deck, you can pay blue blue blue, tap everything, draw a card for each creature you just tapped. Seems pretty solid. Yeah, I think if you can draw three cards off of this card without activating its ability, mm -hmm. then you're doing good. Then then it's probably worth it because. I, the three cards for three mana yeah, is three a cards solid ratio. For three mana is a solid ratio, and I think that the, the decks that are gonna play this are gonna routinely draw many more mm -hmm. than three cards. Yeah. So I, I it's very good in the decks it's good in. <laughs> yeah, it's also good in Derevi, because mm -hmm. he gets a bunch of free taps. Uh Ujutai one point oh, the mm -hmm. soul of winter. Hell yeah. Uh, that oh, that one I'm a little skeptical that there are enough blue and white dragons <laughs> really? to, to make it work. But if you can, if you can just run a bunch of avian changelings or whatever, <laughs> then uh, that seems like a great way to get value from all your tapping. Yeah. And then Lorthos, the Tide Maker, although that one's a little less exciting because you actually have to pump a bunch of mana. Yeah, mana into him. Yeah. Yeah, but you do draw eight cards probably. Yeah, you, you do draw a bunch of cards. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, moving on to black cards. Oh, I love this guy. Yeah, do you want to read him? Sure. Uh, this is Gutter Bones. It is one black mana for a 2-1 Skeleton Warrior. Gutter Bones enters the battlefield tapped and has the activated ability pay one and a black. Return Gutter Bones from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this ability only during your turn and only if an opponent lost life this turn. So I think the easiest point of comparison is Blood Soaked Champion. Mm-hmm which does see play both in Sack Outlet decks and in Najila. Najila is definitely very happy to see another cheap, <laughs> self-recurring warrior. <laughs> like, being able to go turn one, uh, turn one warrior, turn two warrior, turn three Najila, get two warriors right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Really powerful. It really starts the snowball going strong. Yeah. Um, I think there are a couple decks that won't mind the discard fodder. I'm thinking, like, maybe... Olivia mobilized for war, mm -hmm. or potentially um, Neheb, the the Minotaur tribal version mm -hmm. of the Worthy. No, yeah. the, is it the Worthy? Yes. Yeah, the Eternal is the red one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think they they might not mind easy discard fodder if like if you're running Squee, the uh, oh, Goblin Nabob. Mm -hmm. If you're running Squee, not Goblin Nabob in your deck, then you might not running. You might not mind running this either it also synergizes really well with like survival of the fittest yeah. fauna shaman anything that converts cards in hand into some other thing yeah 
I also like that a lot of times recently they put the sorcery speed restriction on these cards, and I actually like that they they said only during your turn, but it's not sorcery speed. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of put this in some other loop if you've met the loss of life condition. Mm-hmm. So that, that made me happy. Yeah, I also like that it... Um, I also think this card could be good in cube. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, like there's a lot of one mana, two power black creatures already in cube, and this kind of just takes the place of like... Well, Diagraph Ghoul does most of the same thing, except it can't recur itself. Yeah. So there you go. Easy swap. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, true. All right. Pestilent Spirit. This is two and a black for a 3-2 spirit. It has Menace and Death Touch, and instant and sorcery spells you control have Death Touch. So I think this is a very cool line of text. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, but I don't think that there's a deck for this card. The, mm-hmm. the way I see it, in order to synergize with Pestilent Spirit, a card has to have three characteristics. So it needs to be capable of dealing small amounts of damage. So like this card isn't going to add a lot of value to Blasphemous Act mm-hmm. or like Star of Extinction. Yeah. <laughs> if you're already if you have no choice but to kill everything, then like Death Touch doesn't really help you. In order to work with this card, a card needs to be capable of dealing damage to lots of different creatures without killing the spirit. Mm-hmm. So, like, an Earthquake variant, for example, is not that great with this spirit because it's going to kill the spirit yeah, it's himself. Kill this guy, yeah. Like, maybe you'll save some mana on that Earthquake, but it's not really worth running a card just to, yeah. to do that. And then the third uh, characteristic that a card needs to synergize with the spirit is it needs to be playable even if you never draw the spirit. (laughs) So, like, uh, Fireball works pretty well when you have the spirit out. It's a pretty decent way to spend your mana. But by itself, I don't think Fireball is worth running in most decks. No, I totally agree. Yeah. So when you put all of those restrictions on the cards that work with Pestilent Spirit... I think you get like maybe two good options. I, I really like Fire Covenant. I think mm-hmm. Fire Covenant is really, really good with Pestilent Spirit. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And then I was thinking maybe Bonfire the Damned, mm-hmm. but not in love with that option. Yeah. So that's that's pretty far from a critical mass. And I think <laughs> you'd need to have like at least 10 or something of those effects in order yeah. to make it worthwhile to run Pestilent Spirit. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I was waiting to see this line of text, and I, I was kind of expecting it to happen, but I was expecting it to happen on a commander, mm-hmm. like possibly like a red-black commander or something like that. So I'm pretty sad that... I think you could have made a deck around that commander, mm-hmm. but this is not good enough in decks as a random creature. Absolutely. Like, if this guy was legendary and, and had red in its color identity, mm-hmm. then you would absolutely run Fireball. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the main problem is, like, you can't run cards that are, like, I really dislike running cards that this is only good with this one other main deck. This main deck <laughs> yes. card is only good with this one other main deck card. And, like, the chance that you draw them together in a game of 100-card singleton (laughs) is so low. Yeah. It's just, like, two cards that are going to be dead most of the time that you draw them. Yeah, 100% agree. But if you are guaranteed to have one of the cards because it's in your command slot, then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go go crazy. Run Fireball. Sure. Yeah. It's just sad. Yeah. 
Oh, I love this next card. Yeah, this next card's great. Getting a lot of good red goodies in this set. Very <laughs> pleased about it. Uh, this is a card called Electro Dominance. It is X red red instant. Electro Dominance deals X damage to any target, and you may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So I think that the majority of the time, the way this is going to work is it's going to be like RR, destroy target creature or planeswalker. The next card you cast this turn can be cast as though it had flash. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I see it. Like you're not going to cast it unless you've got like a four or five drop in hand or, or although you have the option to do it for less, like you Mm -hmm. could definitely like pay X is five and then drop in like a worn power stone or something. There's a lot of flexibility there. But the the dream scenario of, like, I kill that five Tuspinous creature and drop in a five-cost card seems amazing. I think that the biggest problem with these fireballs that have been like this is that it's not really worth it. Like, spending, like, seven mana, even as an instant to kill something on someone else's turn, Mm -hmm. is just so much less efficient than pretty much every other option that commander has for you but the fact that this gives you that other card makes this like just oh yeah it's great yeah i've I've complained that like red spot removal spells are really weak yeah because they're because they're balanced for like the damage that they produce is like kind of balanced for 60 card Mm -hmm. in formats um and so really if you take out chaos warp the number of efficient instant speed (laughs) spells that are capable of killing like the creatures of the size that you tend to see in commander Mm -hmm. are is vanishingly small there's almost nothing um but electro dominance gives you a way to like scale to the size of the creature Mm -hmm. without uh wasting a bunch of mana yeah it's wonderful I, i very much love this card it's great yeah i would be happy to see like a whole bunch of variants with different names on this card (laughs) i think this is a perfectly designed card for commander to solve the problems that reddit has yeah i I also just side note think that's interesting that we've seen a few of these cards already from this set that kind of address a lot of these like concerns we've had i think that's interesting who's who's the head designer who's the i mean who's the lead designer on this set that's that's what we need to know all right well you google i'm gonna read this next card uh biogenic upgrade four green green for a sorcery distribute three plus one plus one counters among one two or three target creatures then double the number of plus one plus one counters on each of those creatures so i think there's a couple green commanders that want to go wide with plus one plus one counters um the the ones that i think of are like atraxa uh Mazarek, Kumena, but I don't think that the rate on biogenic upgrade is good enough to be worthwhile. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think that six, you get six counters for six, kind of, but you... Yeah, and it might be more, but like all of those commanders have ways to... um, to generate the counters and it's probably more efficient to try to synergize with those abilities than to just have an effect that plops on count a bunch of counters for six mana no i 100 percent agree. i think this just like just getting six counters isn't worth six mana yeah so like uh 
with Mazarek, say, you're probably better off playing just like a cheap sack outlet or something mm-hmm. or, or some way to get that sacrifice trigger maybe even multiple times mm-hmm. than just playing biogenic upgrade. Yeah, and also with Mazarek, like, he's putting it on your team, so if you have multiple creatures and you go through that loop, it's very easy to get way more than six counters. Mm-hmm. Or like Kumena, there's probably... You might even just be better off, like, running something can, that can untap them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So, biogenic upgrade, mm, not good enough. Yep. Sorry, bud. And raise four runners. This is five green, green, green <laughs> for a 7-7 seven, seven boar. Vigilance, trample, haste. And when N raise run, four runners enters the battlefield... Other creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain vigilance and trample until end of turn. So I was thinking this could potentially be a budget replacement for Crater Hoof, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely weaker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Crater Hoof generates, you know, if you've got four other creatures in play, it's a five, plus five plus five bonus to each of them. Like compare that to End Raise Forerunners, where in the same scenario, you're only getting like. Eight additional power as opposed to 25 yeah so it's much weaker I, I don't fully understand why they like print crater hoof variants especially when the like the it's so easy to draw the comparison it's even got the same mana cost yeah it's got the same mana cost it's a big hasty guy that pumps your team mm-hmm. it yeah i don't i don't get it either i would just be happy if every time they thought of one of these they would just tear that in half and put in a crater hoof <laughs> Yeah, Greater Hoof is pretty flavor neutral. You can fit into most sets. Yes, I 100% agree. I, I think that they are giving us options if Greater Hoof gets banned, but it doesn't seem like most people are, other than us, are like clamoring for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking that the the one justification I could think of for why they would print this card when it's so clearly inferior is like. Maybe they learned something out of their like testing with new players. Mm-hmm. I know that new players are really afraid to attack, mm-hmm. and if you have a card like Crater Hoof, it really encourages an alpha strike. Yeah. So the fact that N Raise Forerunner is like has vigilance and gives your team vigilance makes it so that there's no drawback practically to just alpha striking with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one's kind of spicy. Yeah. Guardian's plan is three and a green for an enchantment, and it has whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature does not share a name with another creature you control or in your graveyard, draw a card. So that clause is completely irrelevant in Commander. Yeah, that's wonderful. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I think this is a solid combo piece in like Safi or any other decks that are really good at putting together enters the battlefield loops Mm -hmm. it could also be pretty good in like elf tribal lists or decks that are just really good at dumping a lot of small creatures onto the battlefield Mm -hmm. um and i think it's very interesting that we got beast whisperer in guilds of ravnica yeah (laughs) and this card in ravnica allegiance they're so similar to each other They, they basically accomplish the same thing yeah um and i'm i'm wondering like once we get a critical mass of these effects I I had an idea for a deck that I think could be pretty fun and explosive. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be like probably red green. 
I was thinking Samut would be a good commander. Oh yeah, yeah. Because of because she grants haste, and so it's just as many mana neutral creatures as possible. <laughs> so like kobolds, for example, zero mana artifact creatures, um, things like priest of Urbras, mm-hmm. things like uh, wild canter, just things that generate as much mana as they cost. And then, because you have Samut as your commander, and she grants all your guys haste, like, mana dorks also work, too. Like, you play your Llanowar Elves, tap it, you're exactly where you started off. Mm-hmm. So, it, once you've got a critical mass of these effects, then, like, every game you can count on seeing a Guardian's Plan, or a Beast Whisperer, or a Glimpse of Nature, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you just kind of churn through your deck, and... It, Sometimes you might even have ways to net more mana than you're actually putting into these creatures. Like, you could play a an Earthcraft or mm-hmm. something, and now your creatures are actually netting mana mm-hmm. instead of just breaking even. Yeah, when you play your Priest of Urbresk, all of a sudden you're getting mana off of that. Yeah, or like Sack Outlets, like Ashnod's Altar, mm-hmm. uh, Phyrexian Altar. So I think that that could be a super fun powerful deck and it's really really close to working i actually like mocked up a list and it's not quite as consistent as i would like it to be but yeah. it's 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 inches away yeah and you can run burn at the stake and stuff and yeah that's wonderful uh, that's or, or crater hoof yeah or crater hoof whoa <laughs> all right the next card i want to talk about is rampage of the clans this is three and a green for an instant Destroy all artifacts and enchantments. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green centaur creature token. So, I don't think this is great if you're just using it sort of offensively. Um, Green has Bane of Progress and a bunch of tutors to find it. Yeah. (laughs) So, really, like, once you... I don't think, like, green needs, like, a tenth copy of this effect. Yeah. You've got, like... Bane of Progress, Green Sun Zenith, Worldly Tutor, Sylvan Tutor, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I just don't think that Rampage of the Clans works in that respect, especially yeah. since it like gives your opponents a bunch of free stuff. Yeah, I think if you're going to run an effect like this, like that is a sorcery or something like that. Like the fact that this is an instant is funny. It's cute. It's relevant. It's it, it is relevant, but I think that just Wave of Vitriol, if you're going to do something like this, is just better yeah i think because it screws over people's mana bases somewhat uh it like blows everything up it's just a much bigger effect and doesn't give them free stuff and doesn't give them free stuff the only thing that i think we could find was gahiji this is like interesting in a gahiji deck Mm -hmm. uh just because now everyone has centaurs to hit each other with yeah they're incentivized to hit each other instead of the guy who just blew up their stuff (laughs) (laughs) but if you hit them it's five damage (laughs) Which, I, that's kind of relevant. Yeah. Relevant, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on if you're, like, who you're playing with. Yeah. <laughs> I think that some people like to carry grudges as opposed to, like, I'm going to maximize oh, yes. my win percentage here. 100%. <laughs> um, all right. Next card is Wilderness Reclamation. This is three and a green for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, untap all lands you control. Uh, this is a really, like, simple effect and it's kind of it's one of those effects that i'm surprised hasn't been printed to date because it's such like a short line of text yeah and it's like a line of text people want yeah it feels like very bread and butter magic Mm -hmm. um but i I like this a lot in omnath 
uh, in Crufix. Yeah. Um, in Yeva. Yeah. Like, like I could think it'd be pretty solid actually to go like turn four, cast Wilderness Reclamation, untap all my lands. Yeah. And then end of your turn, cast Yeva, and then every turn I'm like cast a creature on my turn, cast a creature on your turn. Yeah. I also like I have a Joel Rail deck. Uh, Empress of Beasts, and this is gonna slot into that because like most of the ways to increase your resources are sorcery speed, mm-hmm. but then you want to be able to respond to people, especially wraths and stuff yeah. like that. So this slots perfectly into like reactive green decks, I think, or or decks that just want like so much mana that can store up their mana. Exactly, yeah, just perfect. All right, uh, it's also good in. Sorry, I also want to mention that it's good in just green commanders that have activated abilities oh yeah 100 percent. so for example like your zakama or whatever it's awesome that you boom boom (laughs) (laughs) like boom 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 all right untap everything do it again yep yeah Uh, okay we're gonna talk about some planeswalkers really quick yeah uh so the first we're gonna talk about is kaya orzov usurper this is one black white for a legendary planeswalker she has three starting loyalty, and plus one, exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. Minus one, exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. And minus five, Kaya Orzov Usurper deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm fairly underwhelmed. Yeah, we're brimming with excitement. No, yeah, I'm just so upset because they took away an Orzov commander and gave us this. Yeah. And I feel like she got nerfed in development or play design or something. Like, just because even in Eternal formats, I feel like she's like just not even cutting it they couldn't even give you two life for each creature card exiled like (laughs) you can't even gain four life off of off of it like yeah play design wasn't having it the fact that it's plus one two like if it was like plus two but only gave you two life it was there's so many weird little knobs that just don't quite get there that they could have given us so i'm just sad about this i think that like what was going on is they it's sort of the same thing that happened with tamio in yeah. Eldritch Moon. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew that it's really bad news if you get too many Planeswalkers in Standard. They, like, don't want Super Friends to be a deck. Yeah. So, they... The way they answered that was, like, by making Planeswalkers that were incredibly narrow. Yeah. So, like, Kaya, I don't even think there's, like, solid graveyard decks in Standard. There, There, there is one, the Golgari... Uh, it's not... Golgari cards, it's a lot of, like, Explorer and mm. cards and stuff like that. And I guess there's, like, the Drake's deck, but but still, like... It's not... I don't think it's good enough. Yeah, and especially not in Commander. Like, the like the plus one, it's just really narrow Graveyard Hate. I don't think Graveyard Hate is worth a card slot in Commander. <laughs> I've said this yeah. a million times. Um, the minus one, yeah, you'll hit Soul Rings and you'll hit Mana Dorks, <laughs> but you're not going to hit actual threats. Yeah. Like, you'll... You'll just kind of harangue people a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then the minus five, like, is so irrelevant to Commander. Like, direct damage to players based <laughs> on something that, like, you're, is never going to be a large number. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of card where this, this scales so poorly into Commander. And I could 
like if someone tomorrow was like, "Oh, Kaya's really good in this like modern deck," I'd be like, "Okay, cool," but like I don't see it, and I don't see it ever being good in Commander, mm-hmm. like ever, just period. Yeah. So I'm just so sad, and and th- I'm kind of sad about the next guy too. Though I I do actually think this guy is good in sixty card formats. Mm-hmm. This is Dovin Grand Arbiter. Uh, he is one white blue for a three mana planeswalker. He has plus one, or sorry, three loyalty planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Also three mana. Also three mana. Uh, plus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a loyalty counter on Dovin. He has minus one, create a 1 1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying, and you gain one life. And then minus seven, look at the top 10 cards of your library. Put three of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, I think this card is a lot of work yeah. for very little payoff. Yeah. Like, 100%. <laughs> like, maybe if you've got a lot of attackers, you could potentially go, like, three mana, cast Dovin, plus one, get one loyalty, and then hit with three guys, get up to the ultimate. But then everyone has a chance to attack him. Mm-hmm. And that's still like contingent on you having attackers that can get through. And even then, like it's two turns, a bunch of mana, a bunch of effort, a bunch of setup for like what is essentially a dig through time. Yeah. And in Commander, it's really not hard to pay to cast dig through time for like a comparable amount of mana and get almost as good of an effect immediately immediately <laughs> yeah <laughs> for no setup yeah on an empty board yeah no yeah i think this guy is very good in standard like he will be good in standard but again like that's another legendary creature that we've been denied mm-hmm. for some standard jank like uh it's so sad i know i've got like i've got a couple ideas for white blue commanders that would really add to the format but yeah. we're just not you just don't have the slots for them. Yeah, I, guess. I think there's like a ton of space in white blue that hasn't been mined, and it's just so sad that mm-hmm. that this guy's here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Ugh. think we mentioned this in. Um... Oh, another thing I would just want to mention. I also don't think like in terms of Thopter token generation, also probably still not good enough. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, like compared to Thopter Spy Network, which also creates one Thopter per turn, but can also draw you a card and can't be attacked to death yeah. by your three opponents. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just bad. But uh, this gets us to our uh, white-blue uh, just main deck cards. Yeah. So so uh, Deputy of Detention is one white-blue, so three mana, for a 1-3 Vidalcan Wizard. When Deputy of Detention enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls and all other non-land permanents that player controls with the same name as that permanent until Deputy of Detention leaves the battlefield. Uh, I just wanted to bring this up briefly. I don't think it's like really commander playable. Um, I'm just kind of sad that it says on opponent controls. Yeah, every time I see a card like this, I get sad. Yeah, about that because I would really love to use this guy for Sun Titan combos. Yes, yes. Just like uh, play Sun Titan, get this guy back from the graveyard, exile Sun Titan, sacrifice this guy, get Sun Titan back. Yep, this guy back. You know, blah 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 over and over again. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, they put that an opponent controls Rider, and I think that's probably just gonna be how they do things from now on, which, yeah. which stinks because like uh, 
I, I think they don't want to deal with like the triple oblivion ring moto crash yeah anymore <laughs> yeah but it's just uh, i liked the the niche playability of like exactly like you're saying of just being able to like bomb shelter something mm-hmm. and this guy i probably would have been able to justify playing him if that writer wasn't there mm-hmm. but now he's just like standard fodder again yeah although I'm going to, I wasn't going to mention it earlier, but since we're talking about this guy. Yeah. Um, one of the, the blue white commanders, the, the opportunities for new archetypes in commander that I was thinking about is what if there was a blue white commander that let you like pay mana, whatever activation cost and put a card an opponent owns from exile into that owner's graveyard for effect. Oh, yeah. So, like, just process something, kind of? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It could be draw a card, could be whatever. But the benefit would be that, like, Deputy of Detention, Banisher Priest, Fiend Hunter, Oblivion Ring... Yeah. All of those effects are suddenly, like, now you don't have to worry about them having the removal spell. Because it's yeah. like, no, your guy is, is gone forever. If Deputy of Detention guys, they just, whoops, forgot yeah. where he ended up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is pretty silly. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, all right. Hope you heard that, Wizards. Yep. I won't sue you if you free, print that. Free of charge. Yep. Um, the next card is uh, very silly. It's a high alert. Can I read this guy? Go ahead. So high alert is an enchantment. It costs one white blue. And it says each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. It also has creatures you control can attack as though they didn't have defender and it has the activated ability to white blue untap target creature. Um, so yeah, what do you want to say about this guy? <laughs> so uh, apparently, and, and this was a bit of a surprise to me, um, 84% of Arcades the Strategist decks run Assault Formation. And normally I'm, or in the past I like <clears throat> don't didn't really like... Uh, repeat effects? Yeah, redundant yep. effects with my commander. But... If, if that's something you're into, if you're worried about people removing your commander, then High Alert seems like another card you can run in that deck as a way to keep your deck working if Arcades gets removed. And mm-hmm. I, and it's even a little better than Assault Formation because it doesn't force you to keep paying mana yeah. to let your defenders attack. 100% agree. I think I also used to be more against running like repeat effects. Um and I've kind of come around for two reasons. One, there's just certain effects that like are really busted in multiples. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I have like an Arjun deck and running uh, Mind Moil and Arjun, like doing it twice a turn, is really busted. But also, like Arjun costs six, mm-hmm. and so he dies a lot and gets expensive. So, just like stuff like that, actually, has been better than I thought. Um, yeah, and with like Arcades Sabbath, or sorry, Arcades the Strategist, if he is not on the battlefield. Your deck does nothing. Yeah, your deck does nothing at all. So I think, like Nick said, this is this is fine. And I would probably run this as a replacement for Assault Formation in those decks, as opposed to, like, in addition to. Mm-hmm. Just because I think it's just so much better. It is a lot better. Than, than Assault Formation. But uh, it, Arcades does draw a lot of cards, so I don't, maybe you don't care about losing a card slot or so i don't i don't know yeah how you live your life guys exactly <laughs> if, if you are inclined to 
run redundant effects that are redundant with your commander, this is another good way to do that in your arcade is the strategist deck. Yep. And yeah, that's that's how we feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. Next card is Ravager Worm. This is three red, green, green for a four five worm. It has riot, which means it enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste. And it also has when Ravager Worm enters the battlefield, choose up to one. Ravager Worm fights target creature you don't control, or destroy target land with an activated ability that isn't a mana ability. Yeah. So we had a friend who was saying, like, that sure is modal. <laughs> like, and, I, and it really just begs the question, like, why is Gruul the guild of choices this time? Maybe they want to, like... Uh... I'm I'm guessing that they want to counteract the impression that like Gruel is the dumbest guild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that I could I could see that I could see that being their intention. Like we've got decades of Borborgmos flavor texts to like reinforce that perception. So they're trying <laughs> to be like, you know what, you can run Gruel and still like do some spiky things. Yeah, I think that's that has been the problem with Gruel uh, is that spikes have been designing it for the last two times we've seen it mm-hmm. and it's a timmy guild so mm-hmm. there's been a disconnect there mm-hmm. i think this like riot kind of gives them an angle to where like spike can be happy with it but they can print something kind of like this guy i feel like timmy is pretty into this or mm-hmm. pretty would be fine with this at least yeah so yeah it's uh it certainly is a card i i think that there aren't a whole lot of, i mean it's not gonna hurt your deck to run it yeah but there's not it's not like an effect that decks really, really want. Yeah, this is just like a good card. Yeah, that like yeah, it doesn't necessarily synergize with anything. Mm-hmm. If they ever give us a fight commander though, that like rewards you for fighting. Yeah, that he, would. I've he's been on waiting. The list. I've been waiting for this for so long. Hey, maybe this set we haven't gotten the gruel non Domri oh. commander yet. Yeah, I'm really yeah. Maybe. Cross your fingers. Oh please. Um. So we have another gruel card. Um. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one red-green. It's called Rhythm of Savagery. One red-green for an enchantment. Creature you creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have riot, meaning they enter the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste. Uh, I... It's hard, It's a little hard to evaluate this card. Yeah. I, I've, I kind of don't think that fervor effects are worth a card in Commander. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is like some upside here to like potentially getting a plus one plus one counter instead. Yeah, and and the no counters. So I think this is better than fervor. I, I will say that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. But but I'm not really sure. There's any red green commanders that really care about the plus one plus one counter. Like yeah, I I couldn't. I was looking up stuff earlier. Um, I think that this card is like interesting for combo potential reasons uh like sack outlets and persist creatures has been mentioned a bunch since it was spoiled online mm-hmm. um but it doesn't work kind of the way you would want it to with like devoted druid because if you give it the counter it doesn't have haste and like a bunch of stuff so i think that maybe someday we'll get something that works with this but i think that you kind of have to try too hard yeah right now. It's just like a card you have to hold way in the back of your mind. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean... Abishan was that for about 15 years before they printed Verity Circle. (laughs) Yeah. I I do... I'm also sad that because it's a physical card game, they couldn't put uh, creatures... Non-creatures... Non-token creatures you control right when they enter the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. That would have been way cooler. That would have been some good text. Yeah, that's something that they can do in, like, Hearthstone and Eternal, but they can't do Mm. (laughs) in Paper Magic. I know, everything's got to be written in Magicese. Yeah. All right. Um, Biomancer's Familiar. This is green-blue for a 2-2 mutant. No other creature types. It's kind of notable. Yeah, interesting. Um, Activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate. This ability can't reduce the amount of mana an ability costs to activate to less than one mana. It also has tap. The next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no plus and plus one counters on it. Uh, what do you think about this card? Yeah, I think that last, uh, the activated ability is irrelevant at all mm-hmm. in any shape or form. Yeah. And that uh, Hearthstone is pretty decent. Training Grounds is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that this is a worse version of Training Grounds. Yeah, but you'll still run it. Yeah, you will still you will still run it. Uh, yeah, a couple of the commanders that it works well with. Um, you got your Tassiger, your Experiment Crash, mm-hmm. um, Thrasios, Sliver Overlord. Mm-hmm. You can use Crash to give this guy a counter, and then you can double adapt your creatures. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. Uh, just yeah, just a weird card kind of overall mm-hmm. i think but the uh, next card is notable just because this effect has tried and true yeah it's a frilled mystic uh it is a three two elf lizard wizard for green green blue blue it has flash and when it enters the battlefield you may counter target spell hmm. i am very pleased with that type line yeah yeah i'm i'm uh uh <laughs> they might have jumped jumped the shark with the simic creature types. We got more <laughs> coming, but uh, yeah, lizard wizard is pretty good. I, I'm I'm happy that they're they're finding new ways to do things like uh, mutant with no other types. That's never been done before. Yeah, um, this like mixing ooze with human. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, they they're coming up with some really exciting stuff. I like that like. You can just look at a type line and know it's a Simic card with no other information. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that they're finding ways to like differentiate the guilds like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Anyway, back to Frilled Mystic. Uh, I think it's useful in non-combo Momir Vig decks um, because it triggers both of his abilities and it still gets you value by like stopping a spell. Yeah. Um, and then for... Decks that are interested in setting up soft locks with Mystic Snake and Deadeye Navigator, mm-hmm. this also just slots right in there. Yeah, and uh, potentially like, I mean, it doesn't totally lock you out because you can stop it with spot removal, mm-hmm. instant speed removal, but um, still, still good, still powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely very good. All right, we are down to the last card. Would you like to read it? Yeah, this is Hydroid Crisis. It is a 0 0 for X green blue. It is a jellyfish hydra beast. Uh, when you cast this spell, you gain half X life and draw half X cards, round down each time. 
and it is a flying trample and enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, the this is definitely a big creature. Sometimes <laughs> this is just definitely you get a lot of value out of it. Yeah, I think it's uh, similar to um, that blue card we were talking about earlier. Oh yeah, the mass manipulation. Or exactly. The, yeah. Yeah, I think it's similar to mass manipulation in that if you're doing it for like fair numbers, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. Like if you're spending six mana for a uh, four four trample that draws you two cards, that's like really not that exciting or yeah, worth your time. That's a good limited bomb. Yeah, but if you're running like Crufix or Kiddly, yeah, and you've got crazy amounts of mana, and you just want something to pump it all into, <laughs> yeah. then Hydroid Crisis is perfect for that. Yeah, like, having a twenty twenty that draws you ten cards is awesome and gains you ten life. Yeah, whoa. No, definitely agree. I think that this is just a value creature, mm-hmm. but but a very specifically like niche value creature. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all we got for now, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's shaping up to be an exciting set. I'm liking yeah. these commanders that we're seeing. I'm liking a lot of these uh, these main deck cards. Yeah, the main deck cards in particular. I was really worried we were just going to get more of what we got last set of just like ramping up the power level on effects that are tried and true. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad to see some innovation like the Smothering Tithe, like the, the Red Spell... Like the blue, like the Verity Circle, like just these interesting little like places they haven't really expanded into before. Yeah, uh, this is shaping up to be a, a cool set, and uh, can't wait to see what next week brings us. Yeah, and thank you for putting up with my sick voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's smoky and good and not sounds terrible. <laughs> so before we end this episode, uh, I just wanted to answer a reader question from our mailbag on Tumblr. So this is Mr. Bunny asking us, so slightly random question. Do you think that unbanning Caracas could give white an edge in commander? Is it actually too powerful for commander? And for those who don't know, Caracas is currently banned. It is a legendary land that taps for white mana and also taps to return target legendary creature to its owner's hand. Yep. So what what do you think about this, Zach? The the question or Caracas? Well, the, or the which question. part of it? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that uh, the <laughs> to answer the first part of the question, uh, yes, I think unbanning it would give White an edge mm-hmm. in Commander, but uh, I also think that it's that is not a good way to balance White in Commander. I I, <laughs> I totally agree. I think that like. It would have a lot of really negative impacts on the yeah. format. So, for one thing, like just on its on its face, it's too good. Like being able to trade one mana, like the tapping of your land, yeah, for however much mana your opponent spent on their commander is really brutal. Especially like imagine if they have like a six mana commander or a seven, yeah. mana, or they're they're running Bor- Borgmos or something, yeah, <laughs> like. It's just incredibly unfun and prevents them from like playing their commander, which is like what the format is all about. You, yeah. you built your deck because you want to play with this legendary creature. Yeah, and and I do want to say that Caracas, uh, there was a, a time before when Upheaval wasn't banned and people were playing with Caracas and stuff like that, and 
those were dark times. <laughs> Uh, before Emrakul was banned. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so this is not... Uh, the people who banned... This is one of the times when they banned this card because it was nutso. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not because they were just like pre-banning something like Sway of the Stars or something like yeah. that. Yeah. World Fire. World Fire, yeah. Uh, yeah, I also think that like this is not on the level of like Soul Ring where... Yeah, it's unfair, but everyone can get one. Like, Caracas is $20 now, after it's been reprinted a couple times, and when there's no demand for yeah. it in, like, any format but, like, Legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just imagine, like, what it would, what the price would look like if it suddenly got unbanned in the most popular casual format, and it was really, really good. Yeah, and it was there. almost an auto-include in, it is an auto-include in every white deck. Yeah, it would automatically, like, jump to at least a hundred dollars yeah and then it would be like another way that people who have more money have more resources are able to increase their percentage points beyond people who are like budget players yeah and i think that like you were saying earlier caracas having this really oppressive tool mm-hmm. it doesn't fix the fundamental problems of yeah. white and commander yeah 100 percent. um i was thinking about this earlier and i think what colors need to be successful in Commander are three things. And they can either have a critical mass of each of these three things, or they can have enough tutors so that even if they only have one card, they can find it consistently. Yeah. So increasing your resources and or increasing the quality of your resources. Mm -hmm. So like um, going up on cards, going up on mana, I think that's really important to be successful because like what often happens is like whoever has the most acceleration tends to set the pace of the game. Yep. And if you have the most acceleration, then you're getting to the game-winning spells like Tooth and Nail, like Time Stretch, like Expropriate, faster than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also need a way to win the game out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to either ha- be in a color that has like combo potential or something like Crater Hoof, where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I had five Sapperlings on the board, and then I cast Crater Hoof, and now you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um and then also, I think you need ways to respond to what your opponents are doing. You need instant speed answers. So like Blue, for example, they've got a, tons and tons of counterspells. They've got a critical mass of counterspell. If they want to stop something from happening, they can. Yeah. Um, Black has a critical mass of spot removal spells for creatures. They have... you can If you want to control creatures, and that's pretty important in a format that's built around legendary creatures you can do that in black Mm -hmm. um so i think for each of those three things responding to what's your what your opponents are doing increasing your resources winning out of nowhere you need to either have a critical mass of effects or you need to have enough tutors that it doesn't matter if you only have the one thing Mm -hmm. like i'll just go through these pretty briefly like with winning like with crater huff Mm -hmm. there's only one crater huff but you can find it in every, every game. game. Every time. Um, now, White's problem is that it doesn't have a critical mass of any of those three things, and it also doesn't have any tutors <laughs> to increase the consistency of finding the few that it does have. Yeah. So, like, uh, in terms of instant speed answers, White has Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exile and no other cards. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like those two spot, those two good spot removal spells, solid spot removal spells, 
are you can't guarantee you're going to see them in most games of Commander because mm-hmm. they're diffused across a hundred cards. Mm-hmm. Um, same with like uh, answers to artifacts and enchantments. White does not have a lot of good artifacts and answers to artifacts and enchantments, and especially like instant speed answers. Yeah. After disenchant, you've got like what? Yeah. Whereas green. Not only does it have a lot of naturalized variants, like some of them really good, like Nature's Claim, a single mana, Crozen Grip can't be countered, yeah. can't be interrupted. Um, so it has a ton of instant speed eff- effects and ways to do that. Uh, but it also has like Bane of Progress and a million ways to find Bane of Progress. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of like spot removal spells, White has very little that can touch artifacts and enchantments. And in terms of mass removal spells, it has very few it's like austere command and cleansing nova are the two best ones and then it drops off really steeply after that and Mm -hmm. you have no ways to tutor them out yeah you just kind of have to like put in the critical mass of like the middling ones and just draw them if you're really trying to control the board yeah and that's a and that's definitely a downside for white like with these other it just talking about green for example if you only need to want run a single win condition in your deck and a single mass answer to artifacts and enchantments, and then you've got these ten tutors, like, that's so few cards in your deck that you would otherwise have to have, whereas white has to have ten cleansing novas or austere commands and ten disenchants yeah. <laughs> to get the same effect. It's like, you're spending 20 slots instead of, to, to green's 12. Yeah. Or, or... It just gives you a lot more to space to, like, wiggle around and, like, kind of customize what you're doing yeah where like in white you do have to be as redundant as possible to a fault like running these cards that aren't super strong most Mm -hmm. of the time and and also like and i know that these were design mistakes Mm -hmm. but look at beast within look at chaos warp how is it that these two colors green and red which traditionally aren't the ones that are supposed to have answers to everything yeah uh, how is it that they have a better, like, all-purpose answer than white, the color that is supposed to be able to answer absolutely everything in the game? Mm-hmm. Like, ablation isn't really cutting it. That's not, yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Not since Tekken Commanders went away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I I think that white needs a lot more versions of its answers, and then white can't increase its cards in mana. That's something that is just not allowed to do compared to every other color having some way to do it. Every some other color. <laughs> like red's got impulse draw, black has draw for life, uh, blue has just pure card draw, you get whatever, as much as you want, green has creature based card draw, and it's like, well, creatures are really good in this format, and you play a bunch of creatures anyway. Yeah. So white having nothing like really puts it far below everyone else. Yeah. And then. Um, course white can't increase its mana mm-hmm. and like green's the king of ramp but black has some solid effects too it's got like the coffers it's got the crypt gas it's yeah. got the nirkana revenant um yeah you just have basically like to hammer home the point like every other color has things that it can do nowadays and mm-hmm. this is so funny saying this about red now because like a few years ago this was not the case yeah but it's like we've but, been gifted so many wonderful things these last few years yeah we've got our neheb the eternal we've got our battle hymn like yeah 
there's ways to, to generate and get ahead on mana and red, especially if you're like just having one big turn. Yeah. Red can really do that. Yeah, so it's it's just white. They really need to step up the game. But it looks like they're kind of like the smothering tithe like we talked about today. Like maybe soon, maybe this is the year where white gets more commander playables. Mm-hmm. Like that, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I think that smothering tithe is definitely a a ray of hope for the future um oh yeah yeah and and as with regards to at least increasing cards in mana and then there's no reason that white can't have more good spot removal spells it's just that they haven't printed them for some reason yeah they haven't gotten us that critical mass like white okay you don't want to give white tutors fine just give us what you said white can do Mm -hmm. give us enough of those yeah it's really weird and then with regards to white winning the game out of nowhere um i think another part of this is tied to the fact that it doesn't have a critical mass of most of its best effects yeah like white has access to mass land destruction and that can win the game out of nowhere Mm -hmm. if white is just slightly ahead on board and then wipes out everyone's mana then you're you're probably gonna win yeah then you you probably do it like if you have like your commander like another guy and an Ajani and your opponents have like not much like maybe a guy you you probably win Mm -hmm. you like just start killing (laughs) (laughs) so it it, like it's not really hard to push that advantage yeah and and that's kind of true with a few of white's things except like nick said like you don't have have enough enough so like you've got armageddon ravages of war maybe like catastrophe maybe yeah. like hakori dust drinker yeah. and then there's just nothing after that and so it's not enough that you can guarantee you're going to see these effects mm-hmm. and there's other ways and of course they can explore more design space find more ways for white to win the game mm-hmm. in in a way that isn't telegraphed and it's like well i'm going to assemble my army this turn and then if none of these three opponents has a board wipe then i will win next turn. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and that's just how white plays, especially mono white and white red. So yeah. it's sad. I mean, that that's again. Hopefully, we'll see a change in that uh, thought process these next few years. It seems like they're really, really interested in giving white like three ones for two, and that just does not translate well into commander. commander. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thank you again to Mister Bunny for ans- for asking us this question. Uh, hope we answered it to your satisfaction and uh thank you for everyone who listened this week if you like the show if you like our content please go ahead and give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to Mm -hmm. uh definitely helps us find new listeners and reach more people yeah and if you have a question like this like please send it in like uh we would like to start answering more of these questions on the podcast too so if there's something you're interested in or like maybe just uh some question kind of like this like some idea about commander that we can kind of help you like talk about or like explore like send it in yeah no we're excited to to hear your guys's thoughts and to, to help you out so yeah all right talk to you guys later thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. 
we'll talk to you guys next time.